discover your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture comes to us today from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And as I read these various passages to you, listen for God's special word to you. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating what he had done. Our second passage comes to us from the book of Deuteronomy, reading from chapter 5. Verse 6 and verses 12 to 15. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Our third scripture comes to us from the book of Luke, reading from chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. 
There is still slavery in the world today, but most of the slavery in the world today is either well hidden or it's happening far away in another place. Our country has a history of slavery, but that was a long time ago, and none of us sitting in this room were there to see it firsthand. So it can be hard for us to imagine what life must have been like for the Israelite people in slavery in Egypt. We can get small glimpses, perhaps, by reading accounts from slaves in other times and places, or by watching movies or looking at art that imagines the horror the people went through there, but we'll never fully understand it. I'm not sure why the slides went all the way back to the beginning. It was physically grueling work that has been imagined by some that um, perhaps the Hebrew people helped to build large monuments like pyramids or palaces or other government structures. And they would have had to do so by hand from scratch. They would have had to make bricks, cut stone by hand, haul that stone from the quarry site to the building site. They worked day in and day out under the cruel eye of their Egyptian taskmasters. And so, as might be expected, they were exhausted. Many of them probably didn't know what it felt like to not be exhausted. It was physically exhausting, and I'm sure it was emotionally exhausting as well, to be working day in and day out for nothing more than a slave's room and board. And while many generations had passed, they still passed down the stories and faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So surely they wondered when they would be free of this hard and meager existence to move back to the land of their ancestors. So finally, after Moses leads them into freedom and they're headed back to the land they had only dreamed of, God gives them some guidance as to how to live their lives. They needed this, first of all, because they're human, and we all need this guidance, but also because they had been immersed in someone else's culture and worldview for so long. They needed a reminder of what God's community looks like. So God begins by establishing who is in charge, who the world is created and established by. They've been living among people worshiping many gods. And this was an important reminder that there is only one true God. But then before moving from the first treat God like this commandments or act like this in your relationship with God to the treat people like this commandments, there is this interesting one that is on the surface about loving God, but it's also about loving neighbor because it talks about other people. And it's also about loving self. There is a commandment about self-care. I can only imagine the emotional and physical fatigue that came from this lifetime of slavery and hard labor, followed by the exhaustion after fleeing Egypt, walking through a dry sea, watching the army that had been chasing you drown in that same sea that had just been dry. And then beginning the hard desert journey back to where they were headed. So God says, whoa, slow down. Even I took a break from creating after making all the things you see around you. 
You're pretty full of yourselves if you think you don't need a break sometimes, too. Rest is a gift. It is a gift to be able to say to oneself, you know what? Today is for rest. Today is the day that I recharge. That was probably really difficult for those people who had literally grown up overworked. From day one, it was work, work, work. That was who they were. That was their identity. But God said to stop. Rest. Take a day to refresh your relationship with God. Make sure everyone around you is able to take that opportunity as well. And for crying out loud, stop working for a day. Our bodies, minds, and spirits are all connected. You cannot separate them. And when one of those is unhealthy or exhausted, it negatively affects the whole person. Now, by the time Jesus rolled around, this commandment had become a super weird and legalistic thing. There were all kinds of nitpicky rules about what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. And one of those rules was about harvesting. Because they weren't supposed to be doing any work on the Sabbath, Jesus and the disciples shouldn't have been harvesting on the Sabbath. Except what they were doing could hardly be classified as harvesting if you think about it. They were literally just grabbing heads of grain as they walked through a field. And this was perfectly legal to grab some grain from a field. There were provisions in the law that people were supposed to share a bit of their harvest with others so that nobody went hungry. So they weren't in trouble for stealing. That was not the problem that the Pharisees had with this. They were in trouble for taking the time and the effort and the work to grab a tiny bite of food as they walked through a field. Because that was work, and you can't work on the Sabbath. Jesus' response here is really key. First of all, he points out that God's law was never meant to be so rigid that it hurts people. Even King David and his men ate sacred bread that was meant for the priests because they were freaking hungry and there was nothing else to eat. And then Jesus points out that Sabbath is about God. It has nothing to do with the rules that humanity puts upon it. Jesus refocuses us from the letter of the law to the spirit of the law. Because if the law is hurting innocent people, there's a problem in the way we are using it. Now I want to take a moment to circle back a few weeks in our series. Because it's important to remember a couple things about the commandments in understanding this one in particular. First of all, remember that they are about covenant. They are about relationship not about crime and punishment. They are about relationship with God, relationship with others, and especially in the case of this one, even our relationship with self. This is key because most of us struggle to find health in all three of those relationships. Many of us don't feel like we can get much traction in any of those three relationships. Second, we must remember that the commandments are all interconnected. Every single one of them affects the others. You can't just pick out one by itself. 
And finally, they are not just about individual behavior. Remember that the commandments were given to an entire community. This idea is so important that eventually this community that was given the commandments uh, develops practices of confession, but not just confessing individual sins. More important to them was the idea of confessing the sins of the community. There is a reason that in our liturgy we always have a prayer of confession that everyone says together the sins of the community, the things that we are all participating in, and then we set aside time for individual confession. Dear Pastor, what does this have to do with Sabbath? I'm glad you asked. You are all sitting here on Sunday, the day that is, for most Christians worldwide, marked as the Sabbath. Congratulations. You are well on your way to a successful Sabbath keeping today. Some of you might go mow a lawn or cook a meal or even go shopping today, and that is fine. For many people, mowing the lawn is a type of rest. It is life-giving. It's physical work, but there is the satisfaction at the end of having a neat yard, which can be life-giving and restful. And if you have a job in which you don't do much physical work, physical work can be relaxing and rest-giving and fulfilling and can help to balance our body, mind, and spirit to bring us that shalom, that wholeness. For others, cooking a meal is a joyful gift to the people around them. I think cooking is work, and I absolutely hate it, but others love it, so go for it. Sometimes we need a break from the crazy busyness of our lives to sit down to a meal together, or to restock our refrigerator, or to go pick up that thing we've been forgetting to get so that our mind can rest that we have it. The key is if those things are life-giving or not. If they are making you more tired, go take a nap instead. Or read a book or watch a movie. But if those things make you happy and bring wholeness to your life, go with grace and enjoy. Even Jesus and his disciples picked grain on the Sabbath because they were hungry. Sabbath is about wholeness not about a list of things you can or cannot do. But as we continue our exploration of the changing world around us and the ways that we can offer comfort and rest to those around us, how can we be church in the community? How can we bring God's covenant love and promises to the people around us? I want us to look more today at the community aspect of Sabbath than the individual aspect. In Deuteronomy, God says nobody should be working on the Sabbath and that they should not ask others around them to have to work on the Sabbath. Not the Israelites, not the people working for them, not their animals, not the people who are just visiting or who have come from some other land to live among them. Everyone should be given this opportunity to rest and reconnect. Everyone. It's so easy to get wound up about how many people are working on Sunday morning instead of sitting at church or keeping Sabbath. But when we do that, we forget how many people have to work on the weekends because they can't afford the day off. We forget 
this is according to the Economic Policy Institute, a family of four, they estimate, needs to make about $78,000 per year to live comfortably here in Pittsburgh. But the average yearly household income in Pittsburgh is about $58,000. That makes for a lot of families that can't afford a day off. 40 hours a week at minimum wage with no days off at all is only $15,000 before taxes. And yes, some of those households are households of one. Some of them are households with two working adults and no children. But overall, we see that a lot of people are having to work way too hard just to make ends meet. And even if the EPA is, EPI is padding that number, which they might be, that's a big discrepancy. When people who are working full-time can't afford to live comfortably, we have a problem. And we forget, too, that people who do shift work, like doctors and nurses and police and firefighters, have to take their Sabbath on a different day because we still need medical and emergency support on the weekends. I have known people who could never afford to retire to take that, that long Sabbath after many years of working. They literally worked full-time, low-paying jobs their entire lives until they were physically too sick to work anymore. And I'm sure that you all know people in the same boat or have known people in the same boat. These are Sabbath issues. When we're taking Sabbath, but there are others who cannot take Sabbath, Sabbath is still not whole. When we pigeonhole Sabbath to be one day that looks one particular way, we forget that there are people keeping Sabbath in other ways on other days so that we can be safe and cared for when we are taking our Sabbath. This is where the church gets to be creative, though. Instead of shaming or looking down on people who might not get to church very often because they can't take a morning off on the weekend, we get to ask, how can we help you rest? Maybe that means dropping off a gallon of coffee at the police station on Sunday morning before church for our hardworking officers. Believe me, I know lots of police officers, and they would love a gallon of coffee on a Sunday morning. Maybe that means having a special church service to recognize the medical personnel who keep us healthy and save our lives. And maybe that means streaming it live online so they can watch it from the nurse's station they are filling, even if it happens to be a night they're working. Maybe that means finding ways to help struggling families with groceries or school supplies or getting involved in local conversations about making sure all those who are working are making a living wage and are given appropriate time off to rest and recharge. Sometimes something as small as going to Target and buying school supplies for a family you know is having a tough time can make a world of difference for their peace of mind this time of year. Maybe it means getting together with some people and stocking the classroom of a teacher you know so they don't have to stock it themselves out of their own pocket. Sure, some people will still choose not to take a Sabbath, even if they have the opportunity. There will always be workaholics. But I've met far more struggling families working two or three jobs to make ends meet than I have met people who genuinely just want to work 80 hours or more a week. And yes, some people will choose to rest in places other than church. And we have to trust that God will speak to them there because God is there too. Our job is not to judge why people are or are not taking Sabbath. 
Our job is to be a model of taking time to nurture our relationship with God, of seeking to be whole and healthy people, and of sharing God's covenant promises with all. In order to be a vital and recognized part of our community, we have to care that God's covenant promises are available to everyone. We have to work to live out those covenant promises both in our personal lives and in the community. And so here is our prayer prompt this week. Where are people in our community denied the opportunity for Sabbath? Where might we be able to offer rest to those who are having a hard time finding it? What does it mean to offer rest to the people around us? Where are we good models of practicing Sabbath, and where do we need to improve? Let us pray. God who offers rest to the weary, Show us how to be positive examples of living into the Sabbath commandment. Help us to see where others are being denied the opportunity for Sabbath and how we might offer them a bit of rest. Lead us into wholeness, body, mind, and spirit, so that we might live fully into your covenant with us. Amen.